The Chicago blizzard of 1967 struck Northeast Illinois and Northwest Indiana between the dates of the 26th and 27th. Hi, I'm Chris May, writer, producer, and host of This Day in Weather History, now in its second year from the Weather Network in Canada. The snow started at 5.02 in the morning on the 26th, This Day in Weather History. By 10 after 10 in the morning on the 27th, a record 23 inches or just under 60 centimeters of snow had crippled the Windy City. It was so impactful that it remains the greatest snowfall in one storm in Chicago history as of February 2020. Important to note that the previous record for snowfall in the city was 19 inches or 48 centimeters, and that was between March 25th and 26th, dating all the way back to 1930. The blizzard itself was a surprise during the day and caught everyone off guard. People were already at work or school, so with that kind of metropolitan congestion, it stopped the city still for a few days as people had to dig out. During the height of the storm at Midway Airport, winds were gusting to 53 miles per hour, that's over 85 kilometers per hour. These powerful winds caused considerable blowing and drifting. There were four to six feet high drifts. That is 122 to 183 centimeters. I stand 183 centimeters tall. Wow. And these were widespread throughout the area. By noon, about eight inches or 20 centimeters was already on the ground at O'Hare, which prompted it immediately shut. This storm had it all. Wind, snow, and even a thunderstorm. The heaviest snow fell on this day in weather history, January 26th in the morning through the early afternoon. The maximum rate of accumulation was 2 inches per hour or 5 centimeters per hour during the late morning period. Then there was reported thunder snow in the afternoon. But the snow then tapered off by evening, intensified again overnight. Some businesses and schools released employees and students early, but even for those who did the right thing and got an early start home, were still snarled in a nightmare scenario of a traffic jam. Many people could simply just not get out of their home. Those who mercifully made it did so, but arrived very late. Many stayed at work or in hotels. The 26th was thankfully over, so what of the 27th, the next day? The morning of the 27th came and the city was in lockdown. Any of this sounding familiar? 2020? Anyone? Anyone? The airports and local transportation were still shut down as well. It was a disaster in the densely populated Windy City where in Chicago, 20,000 cars and 1,100 CTA buses were stranded in the snow. Panic set in and people raided stores of their bread and milk. Looting became a problem on the west near the south sides of the city. Another problem in the aftermath of the storm was low supplies of heating oil. Trucks simply couldn't get through to the buildings. With the roads totally impassable, it took helicopters to deliver medical supplies to hospitals and food and blankets to stranded motorists. Expectant mothers were taken to hospitals by sleds, bulldozers, and snow plows. By the next day, on the 28th, Chicago was beginning to dig itself out. The city dispatched 2,500 crew with 500 pieces of snow removal equipment to clear the streets. Snow removal was slow and arduous because of all the thousands of abandoned vehicles that were strewn throughout the streets. And because of that, it took three weeks for the Department of Streets and Sanitation to plow them clean. Desperate for places to put the stuff, they dumped it in any vacant lot they could find, park, district land, neighborhood lots, even the Chicago River. It was then that some Chicago rail yards came up with the most unique idea, and it would have worked if not for being picked up by national media coverage. <laughs> the idea was simple enough. 
shovel all the heavy snow into rail cars, send it south, and it will melt along the way. But then the story was picked up by national television and eventually reached a 13-year-old girl in the town of Fort Myers Beach, Florida. Young Terry Hodson heard the broadcast about trainloads of Chicago snow heading south. She had never seen snow growing up in Florida, so she innocently wrote to William Quinn, the president of the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad, asking him to please send her some snow so she could see what it was. But young Terry didn't realize that the snow was shipped in uninsulated cars because its original mission was to melt. But Quinn thought of this and immediately saw possibly a potential for a brilliant PR stunt. He had the snow switched to refrigerator cars to keep the snow intact for young Terry Hodson in the Sunshine State. Now, let me stop for a moment. I kind of think that because this was not in any way a business move to begin with, that possibly Bill Quinn simply and graciously did this out of the goodness of his heart. Terry became a local hero and a national celebrity. She appeared on talk shows and was quoted in papers across the country. The town of Fort Myers Beach even held a special ceremony for the occasion in which a local hardware store gave her a sled that was shipped to them by mistake. (laughs) She still has that sled, by the way. All thanks to the snow that fell fast and heavy all the way in Chicago this day in weather history. Tomorrow is January 27th. And we will look back at the year 1938 when the Upper Steel Arch Bridge, also known as the Honeymoon Bridge, also known as the Fallsview Bridge, fell into the Niagara River. No more bridge. Tomorrow, on this day in weather history, with me, your host, Chris May.